0: You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. Today's episode being brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts Carl ever need. Visit rockauto.com right now and tell them Locked On sent you. Today is Tuesday, August 10th. And we are now 91 days away from the start of college basketball season. It's 13 weeks from tonight. We will see Gonzaga tip off with 2021-22 season at home against Dixie State. 13 weeks from tonight. We're getting close. And as we've been doing... Every number in this countdown now, number 91, has some significance. And it's the most recent significance of all the numbers we've talked about so far. Number 91 is the number of threes Corey Kispert just hit in his senior season at Gonzaga. It was 91 threes, tied with John Riley for sixth most in Gonzaga history. In his career, uh, Corey Kispert, two hundred and seventy threes, which is fourth in school history behind Kevin Pangos, Blake Stepp, and Richie Fromm. And to be quite honest with you, I'm not sure if we're going to see another player hit 250 plus threes in a career at Gonzaga for a very, very, very long time. So a shout out to Corey Kispert and his 91 threes this past year and for giving us some material to talk about on our daily countdown to start another Gonzaga basketball season. Find out what the number 90 has in store for us tomorrow morning. Today on the show, we have a bunch of really, really good stuff to get to. We are looking back on the 2006 Gonzaga Bulldogs. It's Adam Morrison's historic junior season and, of course, one of the greatest individual seasons in college basketball history. I'll kind of break down some of the numbers that make it uh, so historic. We'll also finish the show today with some words on Drew Timmy and what his path to playing time is. Of course, he's already going to get a bunch of minutes because he's one of the best players in college basketball, But what is going to make him even more dangerous this season? We will discuss that today on the podcast. But of course, we are starting today with Summer League action from last night, and there's nobody better to start with than Jalen Suggs, because his Summer League debut last night was everything you could have asked for and was absolutely electric. Jalen Suggs started for the Orlando Magic. His first two shots were mid-range pull-up jumper, good. Next shot, very next possession, uh, three in transition, good. Two for two to start his, uh, you know, summer league career. And he continued to play well after that. At halftime, he had 10 points and six rebounds uh, and a couple of steals. But it was the end of the game that really showed who Jalen Suggs was. The Magic made a comeback uh, in the fourth quarter of that game and they ended up tying it up with about three and a half minutes to go. And Jalen Suggs hit a three to give uh, Orlando their first lead since very, very early on. Warriors ended up tying it. Jalen Suggs, again, about a minute and a half to go, had an acrobatic up-and-under layup to give Orlando a two-point lead. Warriors tied it again. And then the the Magic had a turnover, 30 seconds left. The Warriors had a two-on-one fast break, and Jalen Suggs stopped it by himself, blocked Kyle Guy, I think it was Kyle Guy, at the rim. And it was very, very reminiscent of uh, the Jalen Suggs play against Iowa, Uh, last season where there was a three-on-one, and Jalen Suggs came out of nowhere and blocked a shot at the rim there. So Jalen Suggs makes the play, sends the game into overtime. He has six of Orlando's eight points in overtime, including two icing free throws in the final 15 seconds. He finishes the game with 24 points, more than anybody else in the game, nine rebounds, more than anybody else in the game, three blocks, more than anybody else in the game. And it should have been four blocks because he blocked Kyle Guy again at the end of the game, and they called a foul on it, but it was clearly all ball. He also had a two assists, a steal, and just turned the ball over twice. He was absolutely fantastic, especially down the stretch, the Magic win in overtime, 91-89. to And it was the quintessential Jalen Suggs experience. You got, um, the he gambled early on for a play, and a kid blew by him for a layup. He had an airballed three-pointer, and those are two things that are weaknesses of his. But you also got the, ridiculously competitive nature of him diving on the floor midway through the first quarter in a summer league game and then you had the clutch gene and you Jalen Suggs is a winner he's the ultimate winner he's the ultimate competitor and that's what really showed down the stretch and the Orlando Magic really do have a special player in Suggs the one thing I will say is that it was interesting watching him and Cole Anthony play together because Cole Anthony is a pretty ball dominant player and so Jalen Suggs was playing off the ball A lot in the first three quarters but when they needed plays made down the stretch Jalen Suggs had the ball in his hand it was all about Jalen Suggs so it's going to be interesting to see how Orlando utilizes Suggs and Anthony and of course they also have Markel Fultz on the roster he's obviously not playing summer league because he's been in the league for too long but those are three guards who enjoy having the ball in their hands uh, a lot so it's going to be interesting to see how the magic utilize all those guys but what we know is that Jalen Suggs is going to be a fantastic NBA player, and his career got off to a really, really fun start last night uh, with some big plays down the stretch in a overtime victory over the Warriors. Jalen Suggs, not the only guy in action in Summer League last night. Let's start with the first game of the day for all of these Zags, and that was Philip Petrushev, and he started for the Philadelphia 76ers Summer League team. Uh, he ended up only playing 19 minutes, but he held his own out there, and I watched, uh, I watched the first half of this game. I didn't watch the second half. But he held his own. I thought he he looked like he was in place. He had five points on one of four shooting. He was three or four from the line. He had four rebounds and he had three blocks. He played pretty good defense. And that was one of the question marks uh, surrounding Philip Petrushev is how he would play defensively at the NBA level. And I thought he looked OK. So a, a decent first outing for Petrushev. Like I said, five points, four rebounds, three blocks. 76ers beat up the Mavericks 95 to 73. If it weren't for Jalen Suggs, the best performance of the day would have gone to Killian Tilly. And you can argue that Tilly's performance was better anyway. 20 points on 6 of 10 shooting from deep. I don't know what it is about Las Vegas, but boy does Killian Tilly love shooting the basketball in Las Vegas. He started for the Grizzlies just like he's done in the three games he's played so far uh, in the Summer League between Salt Lake and now Las Vegas. Like I said, 20 points on 6 of 10 shooting from deep. He also had three steals and two rebounds. The Grizzlies up and the Nets 91-84. to Desmond Bain uh, hit a bunch of big shots at the end of that game for the Grizzlies. He had 32 points, but a really nice showing for Killian Tilly. He is showing his ability to be a stretch big, a pick-and-pop guy, and that is something that is obviously very valuable in the NBA. And to be quite honest, if Brandon Clark does not regain uh, the jump shot that he had uh, his first year in the league, it's very possible Killian Tilly passes him in the depth chart. So that'll be something interesting to watch uh, heading into next season in the NBA. Two other guys that had their teams play uh, yesterday in the summer league. One of them was Jonathan Williams, who just played a three-minute stint at the end of the third quarter for the Kings. Did not put up a shot. He grabbed a rebound and picked up a personal foul. And then the other one was Zach Norvell, who did not play for the third time in four games for the San Antonio Spurs. They lost by two to the Minnesota Timberwolves. But there's a decent chance that uh, Zach Norvell will play today because they're a the Spurs are playing a back-to-back. And most of the time, there's uh, you know six to eight players or so that are kind of fringe guys, and they normally play three on one day, three on the next on a back-to-back, something like that. So there's a chance Zach Norvell could play today. The other question today is, will the Washington Wizards play? They are scheduled to play the Sacramento Kings uh, tonight at 7 o'clock. But, of course, their first game was canceled because of uh, some COVID issues. But as of right now, as I'm recording this late Monday night, they are on schedule to play on Tuesday night. And so that would be the debut of Corey Kispert. And if the Corey Kispert's debut is anything like Jalen Sugg's debut, Washington Wizards fans are in for a treat. The other big game that's happening at 5.30 a.m. this morning is Yvonne Ejim and Canada. Uh, They're playing their third and final game of pool play in the U19 Women's World Cup, and they're taking on Mali. So if they win, they'll finish in the top two in their uh, pool as they head into bracket play. So I'll update you on tomorrow's show on Corey Kispert's hopefully debut and on Yvonne Ejim to see where Canada stands after group play. Okay, one last thing here before we get to the rest of the show, and that is that Gonzaga offered a scholarship to uh, Illinois big man Braden Huff out of the class of 2022. This came out late on Monday night. He tweeted that he had gotten a scholarship offer from Gonzaga. He is from Illinois, and he is arguably the second best big man in the state behind A.J. Casey, who also is being recruited by Gonzaga. Uh, Illinois has huge ties to both Roger Powell and Stephen Gentry, so it's not shocking that that pipeline is starting to get uh, bigger and bigger. Braden Huff is ranked number 96 by 247 Sports. He's got a bunch of different offers uh, from all sorts of schools. Northwestern, Vanderbilt, Wisconsin, Creighton, Illinois, Michigan State, Minnesota, all over the place. So this is the only really the only West Coast school would be Gonzaga. Based on some research that I did, he is a 6'9 stretch big who can really, really shoot the ball, and he's a lefty. And I think, just off the top of my head, really the only lefty stretch big that Gonzaga has had in recent memory, you could argue, is Sam Dower, uh, if you want to consider him a stretch big. So that would be something kind of a little bit unique. If he does come to Gonzaga, he is certainly not going to be a two-and-done type player. He could be a redshirt candidate. Uh, His first season, especially if A.J. Casey and maybe even Johan Traore come to uh, campus, along with Ben Gregg, Caden Perry, uh, Anton Watson, all at school. Braden Huff is certainly going to be, based on his national ranking, again, I haven't really seen a whole lot of film on him yet. But based on his national ranking, he seems like he would be a program guy, somebody who's there for four or five years and is very, very valuable in his junior and senior seasons. So just another name to watch in the class of 2022 is Braden Huff. Okay, coming up, we reminisce on the 2006 Gonzaga Bulldogs. It's Adam Morrison, J.P. Batista, Derek Rivio, the UCLA game, and everything in between. Let's hop in the old time machine and look back on one of the most memorable seasons in school history. Before we get there, today's episode is being sponsored by Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, football season right around the corner. It's the perfect time to get in on the fun, and you can track all the action to bet online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, NFL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game, as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts use promo code LOCKEDON. The 2006 Gonzaga Bulldogs, arguably a top three most memorable season in Gonzaga history for a lot of different reasons. Roni Turioff is now gone. He's really the only... Um, you know, rotational player that was a senior that's gone off of the 2005 roster. So you get a junior year Morrison, a junior year Rivio, a junior year Sean Mallon, another year of development from Cespedes and Pendergraft. You also get a freshman, Jeremy Pargo, coming in from Chicago. And then you've got uh, senior year JP Batista. So all the makings of a really, really veteran-laden good roster. And they enter the season in the top 10. They enter the season number 8 overall in the rankings, and they stay in the top 10 the entire season. At one point, they got to number 10. That was their worst ranking all year. It's the first Gonzaga team to stay in the top 10 in the AP pool throughout the entire season. So, they start number 8, and of course, after beating Idaho, they go to Maui, and they have a classic Three overtime thriller against Michigan State. It's Adam Morrison and it's Maurice Ager going back and forth the entire game. Adam Morrison puts up 43 points on 14 of 28 shooting. Maurice Ager puts up uh, 36 points on 13 of 27 shooting. Michigan State had a chance to win the game in double overtime, but they missed a layup point blank in the final seconds. Gonzaga holds on in triple overtime. Overtime, 109 to 106, and that, my friends, was one of many wild games in this 2006 season. They are going to lose the next day to number three-ranked UConn by two points, 65 to 63. Two weeks later, they lost at Washington, who was ranked number 18. They lost 99 to 95. Then they went and beat Washington State at home. They beat Virginia at home, and then the only lo- the only other loss they had was to fourth-ranked Memphis. They lost at Memphis. 83 to 72. And somehow I totally forgot about this one. Adam Morrison, battle in Seattle against Oklahoma State. Just a total grinder of a game. Adam Morrison's bank shot three with under five seconds to go to beat Oklahoma State. One of the best calls in Gus Johnson's career, in a career full of them. In the meanwhile, the rest of the year, they'd win 18 straight games, but not all of them were easy, let me tell you. Game at San Diego, they needed a three from the corner from Earl Knight. Uh, in the final 10 seconds to win that game. They had a game against St. Mary's at home at the start of February. If you guys remember this game, Adam Morrison really struggled. St. Mary's made the game really physical. And the game was tied with a second to go, under a second to go. And Gonzaga had an inbounds play underneath the basket. And St. Mary's fouled Sean Mallon as the clock expired. Sean Mallon hits one of two free throws. Gonzaga beat St. Mary's 62-61 to to continue their winning streak. Later that week, that Saturday night, college game day in attendance at Gonzaga for the first time. Gonzaga is hosting Stanford. Stanford puts up a billion threes, and they were scorching hot to start the game. Uh, Stanford actually led at halftime that game. Gonzaga ends up uh, getting 34 points from Adam Morrison, many, many of them in the second half. J.P. Batista added 24. Gonzaga comes back and wins that game against Stanford, 80-76. to 76. So that gives them now 12 straight victories. And then we go to senior night about two and a half weeks later. Gonzaga and San Francisco. Adam Morrison puts up 34 points. It's a close game the entire time. But the game winner came on an Adam Morrison assist to Pierre Marie Altador Cespedes, who hits a three with about five seconds to go to give Gonzaga the win on senior night over San Francisco, 75 to 72. There's a lot of games in this season where Gonzaga. Uh, was really close. So despite the fact that they were 27-3 heading into the NCAA tournament, it's not like they were dominating teams. But boy, was this team entertaining. In the WCC tournament, hosted at the McCarthy Athletic Center for the first time, they needed overtime to beat San Diego 96-92, a San Diego team who was 6-8 in the WCC that year. And then the dramatic WCC title game against Loyola Marymount, and LMU went up double digits in that game. Mark Few got so upset with his starting lineup that he decided to just throw all of his uh, reserves into the game. Earl Knight, Jeremy Pargo, David Pendergraft, all of those guys led Gonzaga on a 20-7 to run to get Gonzaga back into the game and tie it up. Gonzaga gets a tip-in from J.P. Batista in the final seconds and then gets the luck one of the luckiest bounces in gonzaga history lmu had a chance to win the game with a point blank layup and chris air missed it uncontested at the rim at the buzzer lmu with a chance to win the wcc championship and go back to the ncaa tournament for the first time since 1990 and they were one missed layup away gonzaga wins the wcc championship 68 to 67 and they enter the the, uh, ncaa tournament with a 27 and 3 record of course, they get a number three seed, but if you look at the resume, they only beat one NCAA tournament team uh, the entire season, and that was Michigan State. Every other tournament team they played that year, they lost to. They lost to Memphis, who ended up being a number one seed. They lost to Washington, who ended up being a number five seed, and they lost to UConn, who ended up being a number one seed. So really, they get a number three seed in the NCAA tournament, but the strength of the resume is built on wins over uh, non-tournament teams, and there were a lot of really, really close games. And of course, they get into the NCAA tournament, and they have several more close games. They eke out a win over Xavier in the first round of the tournament, 79-75. to 75. And then the second round, they beat Indiana 90-80. to 80. Uh, They hold them off in the second half. Adam Morrison actually struggled in that game, it was a very, very well rounded effort uh, in that game. Sean Mallon actually had 15 points and 10 rebounds, a double double. One of the best games of Sean Mallon's career. JP Batista led the way with 20. Morrison only had 14 on five of 17 shooting. So then we get to the UCLA game. I'm not gonna try to rehash that game, but of course, that is the late game collapse. But I will say, looking at the overall makeup of this team. Obviously, they were an elite offensive team all season long. They were number two offensively, according to Ken Palm, uh, during the season. They were the leading, one of the leading uh, free throw shooting teams. They got to the rim. They were efficient at the rim. They never turned the ball over. But defensively, uh, they weren't very good. And I think we all know this. And one of the reasons, same reason as yesterday when I talked about the 05 team, is they did not force turnovers. They were better um, uh, defending the three than they were the, the the season prior, but still, if you have a turnover percentage in the bottom, you know, twenty or thirty in all college basketball, you're relying on the other team to always, always miss shots. Ironically, defense wasn't necessarily the issue against UCLA. They held UCLA to 29 first half points, and up until the final, you know, five or six minutes, they were playing well defensively. They only scored 71 in this game, and 71 was not going to be enough to beat UCLA most nights. And it was the turnover bug that actually bit them. They actually forced 10 UCLA turnovers, which is fine, but they turned the ball over themselves 16 times. And a team that, again, just like last year, did not shoot the three ball well at all. They only had Morrison and Rivio uh, as players who could shoot threes, and again, that hurt them in this game against UCLA. They went just three for 10. From the three point line. And uh, that's one of many reasons why they lost this game. Again, I'm not going to hash this game out um, too much. I just want to say uh, uh, some things about Adam Morrison's season overall because it was absolutely historic. There have only been 15 players over the last uh, 30 seasons to average at least 28 points a game in a season. Obviously, Adam Morrison is one of those. He averaged 28.1 points a game, five and a half rebounds, and just under two assists his senior year. He shot 49.6% from uh, the field. Out of those 15 players who average at least 28 points a game uh, over the last 30 years in a season, Adam Morrison has the highest three-point percentage at 42.8% and he has the fewest turnovers per game at just 2.3. Highest three-point percentage, lowest turnover rate, And 28 points a game in a season. That's how historic Adam Morrison's season was. Of course, he won the Wooden Award. He was a consensus first-team All-American, WCC Player of the Year. All of those awards going home to Adam Morrison. And one of the greatest regular seasons in college basketball history. One of the reasons why is because they ran a lot of stuff for Adam Morrison. And one of their favorite things to do on this team was to run a three-man game with Derek Rivio, J.P. Batista, and Adam Morrison. And really... Uh, on this Gonzaga team, those were the three guys, right? I mean, you had some uh, complimentary pieces with, you know, Sean Mallon and Earl Knight, um, a freshman year, Jeremy Pargo coming off the bench. Pendergraft was a pretty good shooter. But for the most part, this was basically a three-man team with Morrison, Batista, and Rivio. So one of the things that they love to do is have Morrison at the top of the key, pass the ball to Rivio on the wing, get a UCLA cut uh, and a screen from uh, J.P. Batista and after cutting, Morrison would stay on the block for a little post-isolation. If he's open, they get the ball to him. If he's not, J.P. Batista sets, steps up and sets a ball screen for Derek Rivio, and Rivio is able to attack the middle of the floor or pull up and shoot a three if the defender goes underneath the ball screen. If that's taken away, J.P. Batista, instead of rolling to the basket, sets an immediate down screen for Adam Morrison on the block, And Morrison basically reads the defense from there, and he is able to catch and shoot. He's able to catch and drive. He's able to curl. He's able to go backdoor in a little slip. Uh, He's able to get a little mid-post isolation. But whatever happens, it's those three guys, Rivio, Batista, and Morrison, just playing three-man game over and over and over. And those three guys were absolutely deadly. They averaged nearly 50 points a game just between the three of them, and it was a lot of fun to watch. And all three of them were very, very efficient from the field. Okay, I think that's going to do it for today's trip down memory lane. Tomorrow, of course, is the 2007 Gonzaga Bulldogs. J.P. batista is gone. Adam Morrison's gone. So, Derek Rivio's senior season, one of the better senior seasons ever, one of the more underrated senior seasons in Gonzaga history, and the explosion from a couple of sophomores named Jeremy Pargo and Josh Heitfeld. Coming up to finish today's show, we are talking about Drew Timmy's path to playing time. We know he's obviously going to start... We know he's probably going to be the preseason national player of the year. But what does he have to do to improve Gonzaga's chances at winning that first ever national championship? We will explain to finish today's show. Before we do, a minute to talk about RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, Get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. So go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts Carl car will ever need, rockauto.com. Okay, I think it's going to be pretty hard to call this one path to playing time when somebody's already a starter and plays 30-plus minutes, but we're going to do our best. Gonzaga, last year, they played 32 games last season. Drew Timmy scored in double figures in 31 of them. The only one he didn't was a 9-point performance against Dixie State when he only played 19 minutes and Gonzaga won the game by 45 points. On the season, he averaged 19 points, 7 rebounds, 2.3 assists on 65.5% shooting. There are only 4 players in the last 30 years to average at least 19 points, 7 rebounds, and 2 assists while shooting 65% from the field. Drew Timmy joins Michael Bradley... Blake Griffin and Zion Williamson is the only players last 30 years to accomplish that feat. Drew Timmy, Ken Palm Player of the Year, beating out Luka Garza and Evan Mobley. Second team All-American. He won the Carl Malone Award for Best Power Forward in College Basketball. He did all that, averaging just 28 minutes a game. And you know what's awesome about all that? He's coming back to school to do it all again. Somewhat surprisingly, I think, to most of us, Drew Timmy did not even put his name in into uh, the nba draft he made the decision to come back to school pretty quickly and now the question is how does he follow up on that historic sophomore season drew timmy's path to playing time is to become a first round nba draft pick like i said i think it's kind of weird to call this one a path to playing time because drew timmy's gonna play a ton. he's gonna be a starter he's gonna be one of the best players in college basketball so maybe a more appropriate name is the season goal for drew Timmy. But either way, the sentiment remains the same. If Timmy can work on his flaws enough to become a first-round NBA pick next summer, Gonzaga probably is knocking on the door to that national championship again. And there are no real secrets around Drew Timmy in the next step of his development. He has to get quicker laterally in order to defend better on the perimeter. He was kind of up and down in the NCAA tournament defending ball screens. Austin Reeves over at Oklahoma exploited him on switches in the second round of the NCAA tournament. But the very next game in the Sweet 16, he was excellent against Creighton. Then the national championship again, Baylor killed basically every single possible ball screen coverage Gonzaga tried in the first 10 minutes of that game. And they tried a lot. Um, they actually didn't switch ball screens the first five minutes or the first three minutes, I would say, of that game. So for those that were um, saying that Gonzaga and Drew Timmy switched ball screens the entire night. That's not true. They didn't switch at all in the first three minutes. They were playing drop coverage. Didn't work. Then they tried to switch. Also didn't work. Whatever they threw out in that national championship game did not work. Of course, this season, Timmy is going to have some help behind him in the form of Chet Holmgren. That guy is going to clean up a lot of defensive mistakes from this entire team. But Drew Timmy still has to improve enough where Holmgren is not a necessity all the time. Drew Timmy's been working, of course, with a personal trainer in Texas, and he has said in interviews that lateral quickness and perimeter defense is something that he's certainly working on this offseason. Like I said, there are no secrets here. Everyone is on the same page. It is up to Drew Timmy to prove that he's good enough to defend at a high level and show NBA scouts that it's going to translate to the next level. Offensively, To me, I think it's kind of hard to nitpick Drew Timmy. Um, I think he can maybe add a more consistent three-point shot, but Gonzaga doesn't really require him to shoot from deep, and they're probably not going to require him to shoot next year either from deep. But adding that certainly makes him more dynamic. Having him and Chet both be threats from deep is going to make it damn near impossible for any team to guard those two guys in any kind of high-low situation. So yeah, I think adding a more reliable three-point shot is on the to-do list, but I think it's far behind the defensive end of the court. He's already an All-American at the offensive end. And I think if you plugged him onto an NBA roster right now, he'd be able to score just fine. The difference between him being an NBA rotation player or not is going to be his ability to guard on the perimeter. And Gonzaga's ceiling next season may also depend on Timmy's ability to guard on the perimeter against elite players. But if there's anything we know about Drew Timmy, it's that he's one of the hardest-working dogs on this team And we all know he's up for the challenge. And I would be shocked if he doesn't come out as a man on a mission this season and put up one of the best single seasons in Gonzaga history. Okay, that is going to do it for today's show. We will be back tomorrow to recap some more summer league action. Hopefully, Corey Kispert uh, is in action tonight, along with Yvonne Ejim's FIBA U19 World Cup game. And then we will look back on the 2007 Gonzaga Bulldogs and continue our Path to Playing Time series back on the women's side with some words on Kaylee Trong, Gonzaga's starting point guard, who is now entering her third season and will need to take that veteran leap forward. Before we go today, if you are a baseball fan, betting on the MLB does not have to be a guessing game anymore. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's Lock of the Day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, please rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at SCargo. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Zags. If you want to email the show with your Gonzaga story, I'm going to start reading those again on five-star Friday. Coming up this Friday, we got a really, really good one that I think you guys are going to enjoy. So if you've got a Gonzaga story for me, feel free to send them in. LockedonZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Tuesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.